Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. We don't have full control over our kids at any age, but we do have influence and we can be a positive influence in our kids' media habits and their relationship to media. I'm Sora and welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast episode number 266. Today, we're talking about how to handle screen time with Anya Kamenetz. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Hey, welcome back, my friend. How are you doing? How are you hanging in there? I have to report that there is sunshine outside my window and it's making me so happy. So this is going to be a real short intro and outro because I want to get out in that sunshine. It's like 50 degrees out, which I'm sorry for you guys. Those of you guys who do Celsius, I cannot tell you what that is right now, but it's nice and pretty warm. I'm so excited. So I hope that you are getting a little bit of this wherever you are, something that little that makes you smile and makes you feel good today. And and welcome to you, especially if you are a new listener. I am so excited to talk to you and have you dive into this conversation. In just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with NPR education correspondent and author Anya Kamenetz. Her most recent book is The Art of Screen Time, Digital Parenting Without Fear. 
And we're going to talk about the screen time thing, because I don't know about you, but it's like crazy out of control in my house with like pandemic winter. Ay, ay, ay. So I'm like all in a tizzy, worried if my kids are going to be just turning into, you know, zombies like in the Matrix. So if you're with me, then this is definitely the episode for you. You know, we have these questions. Are our kids getting too much screen time? Is there such a thing as healthy screen time? When is it time to cut back on screen time? So I talked to Anya about all of these things along with many other questions. I know this is going to be a super helpful episode for you. I want you to listen for some important takeaways, how we want to think of creating healthy screen time habits, the way we create healthy eating habits, how Family participation in conversations about appropriate screen time usage is the key. We need everybody involved. And that we also want to consider not only the time spent, but what they're engaging with. What are they doing? Is it, is it useful? So I want you to listen up for all of these things. All right, I got to get out to the sunshine. Join me at the table as we talk to Anya Kamenitz. Anya, thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. Thanks for having me, Hunter. I'm glad to talk to you because, you know, I need some help with this screen time issue. People are asking me about it and I'm like, oh uh-huh. God, you know, it, and it's so funny because it seems so much easier when my kids were younger and I want to talk about screen time at kind of in, and in the different age ranges, but like, yeah, like when they were below two, it was like easy, like no screen time, you know, or like when they were four and five and six is like, like really like not a lot. We're just going to keep it pretty minimal. You know, at least that was my approach. You know, I really wanted them to have a lot of like three dimensional in the world play. I wanted them to get bored sometimes. Yep. And, yep. um, and now, you know, we're all like remote learning. They can't yeah. get together with their friends. The, you know, like Minecraft is like a saving grace for my kids because they're yeah. like on with their friends, like playing with them, but like they're also on the screen all day with school. And I have a standing desk, but my kid doesn't have a standing desk. She's like mm-hmm. sitting down, like they're so sedentary all day. Okay. So these are all my like personal yeah. vetches about yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you have kids too. So yeah. m- maybe you could just help us like kind of describe the problem. And I know there's like not a lot of research about this, but like how does screen time maybe, maybe we could look at like how does screen time affect kids at, at, at those different ages, like the very young kids, the elementary Mm -hmm. kids, and then the adolescents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. So, um, I mean, the first thing I want to say to you and just all the parents out there is don't panic. We are in (laughs) such a hard to control and such an uncertain time right now. And I think it's very easy to fixate on our kids and their technological devices, because it seems like maybe this is something we can control or we can intervene on. And it's just so in our faces all the time. Um, But, you know, I really do advise parents to take a harm reduction approach always to focus on, you know, helping the areas that you can control and letting go of what you can't control and to recognize that our bonds with our children come first. So as long as we're there, we're concerned, we're a positive influence in our lives, in their lives, it's going to be um, a better outcome than you know. You know, we don't have full control over our kids at any age, but we do have influence and we can be a positive influence in our kids' media habits and their relationship to media. So that's just the baseline. Um, In terms of, yeah, just 
take that pressure <laughs> off for a sec, right? Um, with my book, The Art of Screen Time, when I set out to research it, I was, um, you know, getting ready to have my second child. And I had all of these questions about what is it doing to their brains? What is it doing to their eyesight, to their emotional development? And, um, you know, the, the effects that researchers look at are in different kinds of buckets um, that correspond to the developmental needs of children at different ages. So when you were looking at, for example, um, you know, a zero to three um, interestingly, the most well-documented effects have to do with language development and not because of the child's involvement with the device, but because of a parent's involvement with the device. So mm. for example, it's been shown that with background television going on, um, mother and child conversation can drop 90%. So mm. we're not having those exchanges with our kids back and forth. And there's more recent uh, research that shows basically when a, a parent is involved in their device and is interrupted by their device constantly, as we often are, um, it is stopping kind of this skillful cycle that we want to be in with our toddlers when they are, they're having a frustration, we're seeing them head down a path and we kind of intervene. We help them, we help them name the feeling, we help them respond to the feeling. And we kind of have to have our radar on in order to do that. And so when we're interrupted because we're paying attention to anything else. It could be bills that we have to pay. It could be the phone that's ringing or the pot on the stove. But when it's the phone and the phone is interrupting us, you know, every couple of minutes, we get less skillful. And our mm -hmm. kids, therefore, are not developing their own emotional self-regulation because they really need our help to do that. Um, and as kids get a little bit farther down the developmental path, you know, we are looking to them to develop their attention span and their focus that they can do reading and they can do math. And we really start to look at what we call um, dandelions and orchids. So a lot of our kids are the dandelion type. They're very resilient and they can come up almost anywhere and they're gonna be really fine and good with various dosages of screens. Um, we have some of our kids that are more sensitive. They are maybe atypically developing. They may be ADHD. They may be on the autism spectrum or they have you know, emotional or sensory regulation processing issues, right? those kids are more prone to a fixation on the device, very hard to get them off of the device um, and hard for them to uh, kind of self-regulate because it's so stimulating, right? To be on the video game or on the TV and they get explosive. So it's taken away from them and they really have an explosive reaction. And that's when you really start to think about, okay, how do I put the guardrails on and how do I have limitations that they can understand? And maybe you have a chart, maybe you use a kitchen timer, you have a pass system. So you're handing out passes in exchange for something that you do want to see. Um, and just something that's out there that is an agreed upon pattern or metric that you're going to use as a family, just like you do around food. You know, you probably have rules around desserts. You have rules around snacking. What's a mealtime? What's not a mealtime? Um, you know, we roast marshmallows when we're on a camping trip, but we're not going to roast marshmallows every single day. Uh, so these are the types of things that you want to start thinking about doing with screen time, developing a healthy model culture habit. Um, can, and then, can I yeah, jump, please, go just ahead. jump in here? Because um, yeah. so that fixation on screens, it, it makes a lot of sense, right? Because like they're just, it's, it's, they're designed to be so, you know, appealing and just like give us those dopamine hits and the kids are just like, it's kind of like a drug, right? For kids in the brain in that it's like giving us these hits. So, so you're saying we want to, for especially, especially for those ADD sensory processing kids that have difficulties with that, highly sensitive kids that we really want to just have some clear boundaries around that. And 
and hold them in like, you know, in a way that's, of course, hold their boundaries in a way that's kind and not blameful and not judgmental. But yeah. I like what you're yeah. saying. You were saying like a chart, a past system system or a timer. And so you're saying like, I can't, I think what I want to underline from what you said that you, um, that I want to point to is that using something that's like external from just you, mom or yeah. dad, uh, 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 an external objective thing that is, mm -hmm. is, is like, okay, that limit is there. We have this boundary. And then you're just holding that boundary with compassion, but there's kind of this external thing. It reminds me of like, when we were going to school, oh, way, way back when, long yeah. time ago, we used to use a talking countdown timer in my house that would say, like, yeah. five minutes to go and four minutes mm -hmm. to go. So I wasn't the one who had to say that. It was like the machine that said that. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's similar to that. It's like externalizing that is kind of mm -hmm. what you pointed to, Anya, which is cool. Yeah, thanks for underlining that. And, and you give me the opportunity to say also that, you know, um, Ideally, you're not imposing this on a one-sided way, but you're having a family conversation around this where you're getting their buy-in. So you're saying to them, you know, um, what are the good things about playing video games all day? What are the bad things about get playing video games all day? Do you ever notice that you're cranky with me when I tell you that it's time to eat dinner and turn it off? What do you notice about that? Why does it make you so cranky? Is it, and let's problem solve together. So a lot of times if you give kids the opportunity, they will collaborate with you in setting the boundaries. Um, because they're noticing, they know, especially, and honestly, there's more opportunity in the COVID times than ever before for kids to say, gosh, I'm tired of this screen. <laughs> I've had enough. Um, and I wish that I could go outside. So, you know, figuring out how to be collaborative with your kids, I think is going to go a long way. Um, having that external, and I should mention, lots of devices have their own controls um, that are more or less easy to use. So you can also utilize those as well. Um, I'm a paper and pen mom, so that's, that's how I, I gravitate. But you know, definitely there are parents who are optimizing the parental controls and that works too. Oh, I just want to put in here that this is so important. And I kind of thought that <laughs> like, I kind of thought my husband had done it because he's like the tech guy in the house. And like one day my daughter who is nine or eight, I can't remember at the time, but she, I was doing a coaching call for mindful parenting and she heard me talk about spanking. And then she went in and Googled spanking <gasps> and she, uh -oh. yeah, yeah. So he was like in a meeting, he looks over and he sees her like looking at porn and he's like, Oh my yeah. God. And he has to stop his me. I mean, apparently it was just like a really brief kind of thing, but I was like, mm -hmm. Oh my God, what, we don't, we didn't have these controls. So people please like this can happen to the best of us. Like yeah. get the, make sure you know what is blocked and what is not blocked on your mm -hmm. devices that your kids have access to. Uh, I totally agree with that. Um, and I feel your pain. I also, this is also an opportunity to say that we need to have open lines of communication with our yes. kids about, have you ever seen anything that you don't understand or that you have questions about? You can always come to me. I'm not going to be mad at you, you know, um, and, and have an opportunity to share your values. And if I can just mention one um, study that I found to be so interesting, which was uh, that of families that had conversations with their middle school age children about porn, sharing their values around it, what they, you know, what they thought about it, uh, whether that was a religious perspective, a feminist perspective, it really doesn't matter. They had that conversation that had a really protective effect on those kids. And so they followed them to college and they found that they were less likely to look at porn, less likely to have unhealthy relationships with porn or to be in relationships with people that used porn. 
so I think that knowing that, you know, you, there's no off limits um, as a family and that you can talk about these things. Again, we have influence and not control. Um, so, so communication is really our best friends. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. My uh, my eighth grader is, is not going to thank you next time she and I are alone in the car. Car <laughs> <laughs> totally. trip is the best for this when you're both looking straight ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right. Um, Well, thank you. That was a really uh, fruitful tangent, I think, to sort of Mm -hmm. go on. But we're talking about um, how it's like affecting kids at kind of those different ages. Yeah, Um, right. Mm -hmm. Well, I I mean, one thing that I just I, I should back up and say what I found so convincing across the board in the science is about sleep. And that is really across the board. I mean, it's screwing up our nap times for our toddlers and it's screwing up definitely our bedtimes for our teens. Um, So if there's one thing to hold the line on and be old school about, it's really devices in the bedroom and having that wind down time before sleep Um, because it has these different, you know, lots of different mechanisms for it. But basically, I think that's important to recognize. And our kids need sleep so much. And one of the very small saving graces of this time has been many of our teenagers are able to sleep in and get their allotted hours. Yeah. And that just is so helpful for so many things. Yes. It's amazing. Yeah. My, my, um, almost 14 year old, she doesn't have to do her morning meeting until nine in the morning. It's like, yeah. thank goodness. Like that just yeah. makes sense. Like let's do that. Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot of ways that it's messing up our sleep. And so it could, for a toddler, it can mess up sleep before a nap time. If it's like right before, when is that like, what do, what do parents of toddlers want to watch out for there? Oh, that's a good question. So, um, I just think a kid that's very revved up uh, from watching, yeah, a lot of uh, exciting stuff in the afternoon might have it had a harder time 
going mm-hmm. down for a nap. They also might drop the nap too soon because they're just um, overstimulated in general throughout the day and they're not getting restful sleep at night. And you know, with toddlers, it can have a rebound effect where they're more wired the next day and more explosive. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, um, it, you know, it's going to depend on your your family's routines. You know, if you want to just like hold a, hold a stop to it before dinner time and, and make sure that there's plenty of time after dinner to unwind. Mm, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Unfortunately, it's like, that's when parents want to unwind, right? Is after dinner is like, that's when we want to unwind. Like, that's a good time for, you know, yeah. seemingly. Um, okay. Totally. All right. So it's, you know, we're, we want to really look at like, especially kids with ADHD who have sensory processing issues. We want to hold those boundaries. How is screen time affecting kids? So, and, and what did you see? I guess I would just want to kind of highlight just before we move on the thing for the very young kids. So when my kids were very young, it was like, don't give them screen time under two. And so we didn't, we didn't give them any Mm -hmm. screen time under two, but Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I see tons of kids in, 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 in strollers with like mm-hmm. devices, like watching stuff. So what does the research say about that now? So um, we honestly don't have the kind of research that we'd like to have. The AAP guidelines were updated with a little more nuance to include the idea that um, video chatting is probably fine, even with newborns, because uh, they are getting a little bit more of interactive back and forth um, than they would be if they're watching a recorded video. Um, also, they were they updated to say that about 30 minutes of digital device time a day is probably okay, even for like a toddler, um, on the logic that it was it's no more than they would be involved with any toy in the toy box. Like there, you know, there's no toy that can hold a toddler's attention for more than 30 minutes, and that's pretty probably an outside. Um, but I just want to bring in the other two concepts that I that I have around screen time. It's not just about the amount of time on the device. It's very mm-hmm. much about who they're doing it with and what they're what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, an example of very appropriate digital engagement for a small child that you might have to amuse, let's say on a car ride, would be looking at photos together of family members, um, uh, an interactive kind of play that I'll do with my three-year-old. Now, four-year-old would be like, what sound does this animal make? I don't know, let's watch a video clip. And then we watch the animal together. Then we make the sound, right? So there's mm-hmm. back and forth, there's dialogue and similar to what you would do with a book right, or any other piece of media where you're, you know, you point to the picture, you name what's in the picture, you talk about it, maybe you imitate the sound or the music. There's lots and lots of um, videos that are um, meant to be interactive, whether they're ch- children's yoga videos or um, dance videos, Go Noodle, I think is a great one for kids of lots of different ages. That's like, they were meant to be like indoor physical education, right? So it's like a short video with some learning and some dancing. Um, interactive co-viewing, um, and then also looking for things that are a little on the slower side. So uh, I really am a fan of audio, not just because I work in audio, but mm-hmm. I think that audio makes your brain do a little more work to put this Yay, together. Yay, audio! Yeah, <laughs> for yeah the we love it. <laughs> Listeners. Um, you also can move around your room when you're listening to audio. So you don't have to be um, tethered to the device mm-hmm. in the same way. Those are both really good things. So getting our kids listening to stories um, when we can't be there to read to them. Um, I think it's a good thing to look, to think about as well. While we're there, you have a three, you know, you had a three-year-old, almost four-year-old currently. When my kids are in those ages or maybe five and six, we loved, we, you know, they're, I'm sure there's so, so many more now, but like we loved 
sparkle stories were like these like amazing like super like crunchy nourishing audios it was like a, stories about like a, a brother and sister who are having green beans for breakfast and I was like oh wow okay this is a good influence on you like mm-hmm. but what do you like that maybe the listener doesn't know about what are some things that you think are, are good just to give them a shout out here Oh, sure. I mean, uh, Wow in the World is a big uh, big thing in our house, the science podcast. Um, Story Seeds, we've listened to a few times. And then honestly, like Roald Dahl, audiobooks tend to be a huge hit. And then there's a series, we belong to Epic, which is a digital book subscription service. And one of the cool things about that is when my daughter was getting her like reading, it's like training wheels for reading. So she can get the same book and she can get audio and print versions at the same time and read them and listen to them. So I think that really helped her kind of carry her along. Yeah. Cool. Good. All right. So we don't always have to, we can hold those (laughs) boundaries around the screens. We can give them some audio content instead and like how, you know, help, help out that. Okay. So, um, and our, what are the effects of screen time that we're seeing on maybe elementary or older kids, middle school and high school? Sure. So, um, you know, I think, Obviously, the needs of our kids as they get older um, translate out more into their peer, their peer interactions and their development as social beings, right? So um, we become more concerned with their digital interactions with cyberbullying, um, with um, you know negative types of interactions, negative self-comparisons, negative self-talk. Are they using social media kind of to that in a way that makes them feel bad about themselves? Or um, with video games, you know, is it a place where uh, there's a lot of kind of um, uh, hazing type of conversation, very kind of angry conversation that can go on between boys sometimes, um, similar to sports. I mean, trash talking is a thing in games, just like it is in sports. Um, and so thinking with our kids, thinking with our kids, talking with our kids about um, how do you like to socialize online and, and what, are the, what are the ways that feel good and what are the ways that feel not so good? And how do you, what do you do when someone says something you don't like or they text something to you that you don't like? Do you have a language for talking about that or resolving conflicts? And just helping our kids become more skillful um, on that, I think, is, is pretty key. And then, you know, on the margins, um, besides the sort of sensitive kids that we talked about, um, certainly we're hearing way too much about anxiety and depression amongst the tweens and the teenagers right now. And um, I think it's fair to say that social media can be a vehicle for those feelings. It can be a place where you go um, and you, you can feel better about yourself or worse about yourself. Um, but you know, certainly the diving into kind of the one-way consumption, um, is hardly ever going to organically make you feel better. Mm. Um, so, I mean, we certainly all have rituals of self-care where we say like, oh, there's a comedy movie or there's a song that I listen to that makes me feel better. Um, and we can share those with our kids as well and help them, you know, understand how media consumption can, can be contributing to wellness. We can talk to them about reaching out to friends and extending support to friends as well. Um, but uh, I think we would, we do want to watch for like a dynamic where a kid feels unmotivated to do anything other than be on their device and then being on their device brings them even lower. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, and okay. So when we're, we want to watch for that and in, in that kind of that passive thing, that passive consumption, watch for that being, bringing them lower. And then for those interactions, we just want to be coaching and teaching them, guiding them through those interactions and kind of offering some support, I guess. We're not necessarily talking about like, you know, what I'm, what I'm not hearing you say, which I think is interesting to kind of point out too, is that you're, I'm not hearing you say like, uh, spyware, like figure out all the, 
you know, like look at all their texts or, or whatever, that kind of thing. Um, is there any, um, you know, is what are experts saying about that kind of thing? When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Um, I think this is a topic that can divide some experts. Um, I think that uh, I just really err on the side of establishing trust with your kids and um, it can be a trust, but verify it. Certainly if you're upfront about it, and I especially would say the younger the kids are, the more appropriate it might be to have a sort of eavesdropping component, just like you might not, you know, you might not say to your 11 year old, oh, you should, you should conduct all of your social business in the schoolyard with no supervision from any adult whatsoever. Like you probably wouldn't say that, right? Yeah. Um, you probably would say like, I would love to have your friends over in the rec room and I'll come in and out with snacks and I'll overhear what you're talking about, but I won't be inserting myself right? Yeah. Unless yeah, I hear yeah. something that's a big mm. red flag mm-hmm. or I'm driving you to gymnastics and I'm listening to the back seat, but I'm not like busting in. Um, so those kinds of the slow boundaries and the slow backing away and the scaffolding mm-hmm. um, is really, really important to do. And so I think that, I think if you give an 11 year old a phone, you can give it to them with the understanding that it might get collected by mom at some point. Um, I don't think that's unfair at all, but Mm -hmm. a 14 year old or a 15 year old, 16 year old might be a very different story. And so you really need to have that buy-in, you know, spyware is, it's a tough one, like, and even on a school-wide basis. So, so many, many schools that have the school issued devices are buying software that triggers and red flags on, you know, talk of self-harm or talk of suicide or violence. Um, And those systems are not perfect, but what social and emotional, um, development experts, psychiatrists, psychologists tell me is that um, 
a system like that can provide an early warning, but you have to have trusted adults that have relationships with kids because you can say, hey, I found this on your computer. And what is that kid's motivation to tell the truth about what's happening at that point? You know, is it, is it, are they literally reaching out for help, cry for help? Okay, great. I'm glad that we found you and we can have this conversation. Or is it a school where adults are not trusted by the teens? Mm -hmm. And then no matter how many red flags you get, you're not going to be able to successfully prevent something. Um, So that relationship comes first, last, and always. And whatever you need to do to preserve the open communication with your kids, um, you should prioritize that. I love what you're saying. It really coincides with everything we talk about and teach in mindful parenting. And um, I think that's amazing. And I I really appreciate the analogy that you gave about like, what would you do if it was in real life? (laughs) You know, like, what if they were like, you know, it was 11 year olds hanging out like in real life, you know, you, you know, yeah, there might be times where they're off on their own, but there might be times where you're hanging out together and you're kind of checking in and, and whatnot. So that, um, that really helps me anyway, like kind of wrap my head around it and, and think about a good and, you know, think about it in a healthy way. Well, the other thing I just to, to add on to that, that I want to mention, um, that can go, um, un, un overlooked at this point in the game is the eyes on the street. So, who are the other trusted adults outside the family, um, you know, that might follow your kid on Instagram if they have an Instagram account? Is it the mm. ca- counselor or the auntie, the cousin, your family friend um, that might be, you know, they're not going to necessarily report every single thing back to mom, but it, there might be some things that they do. Um, and so that's how we that's how we collectively keep our kids safe is with that web of trusted adults. Um, mm. and, and I even got a great piece of advice from a, um, a sex education worker, uh, that I, that I interviewed several years ago who said she actually had a nominating process, a very formal process where every year she would ask her child, children, who is the grown up for this year that if you need to talk to someone about something you can go to something that you're worried, you're embarrassed to come to me, or you're worried I'm going to be disappointed in you who is that person? And then together we're going to go tell that person that, that they're your person for this year. Hmm. That's an interesting way to do it. Yeah. And cause I've thought about that. And then as my kids have gotten older and thought, well, will then my, my child go to this friend of ours, you know, like, even though it, that's something I'd hope, um, I like the idea of kind of formalizing that process. That's, that's really cool. Um, okay. So, all right. There's a lot to take in here. I'm, I'm gonna, we may be listening back, me and you, dear listener, um, but let's think, so, you know, in this time in the pandemic, we're, we're struggling to kind of balance it, obviously. Is there, is there any way, is there any kind of rule of thumb for how much is okay? Like what, what do, is there, any, what would your response, I guess, to that question be? Because I, I, I get that question. So I'm, I'm curious about what your response is. Um, I think that it's, it's kind of like healthy eating, you know, you want to think about the week more than the day, um, you know, and the balance that comes across several meals and not just every single meal. So for me, um, guarding that sleep time is important. Having an hour of wind down time before bed, making sure they get outside every single day and that you have at least one screen free meal, um, hopefully with as many family members that can attend that meal, um, those are the priorities. Obviously they need to get school work done um, and whatever that it means. And then, um, so does that mean that the other hours in the day are free for all? I mean, you can add on to that. And this is something that's been in a negotiation with my nine-year-old who's on remote school and finishes her work very quickly. Um, I would say that there's, you know, you can, you can certainly try to say that you're going to 
ask them to add on another screen-free activity other than, you know, that's in their free time, their ample mm -hmm. free time um, on top of that. Uh, so then once you do all those things, you've, you've kind of chunked it down to like, I don't know, three hours a day, two hours a day, but it can't be hard and fast and it's going to change day by day because you can't control all of it. Someday you're going to, you know, you're going to have the day where you're, you're chock full of meetings or, you know, both kids are out of, of childcare because of uh, the pandemic and like things are going to go off the rails. And then just like with eating, you say like, okay, we're going to take a few days to kind of bring it back into balance and maybe we'll get a day off and we'll spend the day outside away from screens and kind of balance it out that way. Okay. All right. So yeah, in, in my family, we've done, um, for our sakes as adults, as much as our kids yeah. sakes, we've done screen-free Sunday for, uh, years and years now. Um, nice. and that that's really helpful for me. Would you recommend that, uh, that families create like a kind of a chunk of time where that's like a little bit of a detox time like that? If it sounds appealing to you, yes. I'm very wary of loading something else. Yeah, on yeah, yeah. We plate. don't want to should them. <laughs> yeah, but if it if it sounds like appealing, and also if you if you really feel stuck, like if you feel like these are patterns that I can't get out of and I don't know how, taking you know taking going out of range can be a great a great great way to do it if you have the resources to do it. Yeah, but okay. again, like it it should be something where you really feel like and and you know I mean there's um there's a softer approach to it, which is like, oh, hey, like I found these like secondhand roller skates. Why don't we go spend the day at the roller skate park? And then like, it's not like you're pitching it as a screen-free day, but you're mm. pitching it as a fun family activity that happens to take us away from our screens. Water park, that was something that was commonly mentioned in the, in the before times, because you're in the in the pool, there's no phones in the pool. <laughs> yeah, you can't have a phone in the pool, that's for sure. Um, okay, all right. So, so yeah, and, and you know, this can be hard for, parents too. I mean, like it's winter, yeah. like it's COVID, like, you know, there's not that much. I went for a walk 60 to me with yeah. my friend recently. And it's like, you know, I'm like, oh, here we go. We're looking at another weekend where like, I'm like, yeah. we're having movie night on Friday and then Bill and I are watching a show on Saturday. You know what I mean? Like it's, yep. there's like just not that much to do. Yeah. Um, other than go for walks and it's cold and windy yeah. and like miserable out. It's like, yeah. this is definitely the, the worst part of a pandemic. I have to say. Yeah. These are the doldrums. Absolutely. I mean, uh, so the, the one thing that we haven't, I mean, I talked about this a tiny bit, but like, I really build in the notion of co-viewing as well as part of mm -hmm. a healthy media mm -hmm. approach that mm -hmm. there needs to be some of the time that you're spending that you're actually sharing with your kids. Mm -hmm. And so it's one thing that it's one thing to have everybody on four different devices and mm -hmm. a very different thing to be watching, let's say Greece with your nine-year-old and be, and like trying to explain what those outfits are about <laughs> and like <laughs> laughing and throwing popcorn. Like it really is a different kind of experience. And so letting people take turns choosing what show to watch and actually picking a show to watch together once in a while, I think can be, mm -hmm. it's not a break, but it's, but it's a change up. Yeah. And it's something that brings you together. We, yeah, we yeah. do that every Friday night is movie night. And now during COVID, we are so regular on that it used to be like, there would be things yeah. that would interrupt all these different yeah, Fridays. Right. And totally. now, now yeah. we're like, boom, 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 every Friday. Yeah. Um, and kind of every Tuesday or Wednesday night, we watch like a show together. And that's, that's mm -hmm. the hardest one is to like pick, pick a show to watch together. Oh, I know. Like, what have you watched? Um, uh, well, our kids are a little older, so we yeah. have watched, I don't know. For a while, we were into the Great British Baking Show. We've watched yep. 
a couple episodes of Cobra Kai, but I'm not sure everybody's into it. Yeah. We really liked um, the world's most extraordinary homes and I wish they would oh. make more of those. That was really fun. Great British <laughs> Baking Show is a totally a family classic. Um, we, me and my nine-year-old watched all of The Good Place and I really recommend it. Oh yeah. See, my problem is I watched like every episode except the latest one on my own. So I'm like uh-huh. a little like hesitant. To I rewatched it just again. with her. I rewatched I it with that, her. <laughs> that's a good idea. I think maybe I'll just suggest that we re- we rewatch that one together. Cause it's cause like, I love like the ideas behind it. Like what happens in yeah. the afterlife and uh, yeah. those questions are like fascinating for me, but if you could watch it with a nine-year-old then, and then I could watch it with my 11 and 14 year old. And I mean, uh, yeah. And for co-viewing, here's another mistake that I made, just FYI, people. Like, definitely always check Common Sense Media. Yeah, very good what's, point. On what's going on with the movies. So yeah. when my daughter, when my oldest daughter was like uh, 11, meaning my youngest daughter was like eight, mm-hmm. she, my older daughter had read the book, Miss Peregrine's Peculiar Children. Oh, so I can't keep up with her. I mean, she's said they're both such voracious readers. Like I can't, I can't like read all the books I read, but I saw the book on the coffee table. I saw the cover and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then the movie movie came out and I was like, oh, it's for some reason, my head, it like clicked in that it was like, it had the word children in the cover and my like 11, almost 12 year old had read it. So I was like, oh, let's go watch this together. And I didn't check. Mm -hmm. And people it's like a horror movie for kids like it's really oh, no. scary oh, it's no. so scary I was petrified I was holding yeah. my eight-year-old on my lap we were both like ah we're so yep. scared so just check yeah check the movie totally definitely my, always check my dad took me to uh Robocop at some point when <gasps> I was a kid oh no <laughs> and I guess he says the story and I like tugged on his arm and I was like it's like me and like all these like adult men you know and I was like yeah I don't think I'm supposed to be here (laughs) and to his credit he took me out he left the movie and took me out but I remember those first scenes were like pretty intense (laughs) (laughs) don't take your kids to see Robocop (laughs) yeah Okay. So then we're talking, we're kind of shifting into some good ways we can kind of share screens. Are there, are there any apps or games or things that we, you think are like kind of positive and, and kind of push it onto that positive side that you would recommend? Um, I, I, I have to confess that I'm not a huge gamer. Um, I know that uh, what we've seen a lot of growth in and what I see in my house is the Roblox, the Minecraft, and now Among Us. Um, and I think that all of those have pretty low barriers to entry that make it, um, a, it's, it's really nice if you're able to, to try to engage alongside your kid and at least understand the basics of the games and what's fun about them, um, as well as the mechanics of like who they're talking to and that type of thing. Because with my daughter, like she's able to get on with her actual friends and play together. Um, and I think that's really, you know, it's a lot more, um, I, I feel a lot better about that because she's talking with people that she knows and sometimes she'll zoom at the same time that she's playing. Um, So in general, I would just say like as a bias for me that the more kind of appified and casual the game is, the less rewarding it's going to be, the more it has these like, you know, what it has like a million little ding, ding, ding and rewards and in-app upgrades. And it's sort of like designed to be played on your phone endlessly. That's not so great. It's a lot, it's like more sticky and it's less complicated where Mm -hmm. ironically, like the system-based games, the PC games, the games that you pay for 
they're not necessarily constructed that way. They're not constantly upselling you and they are, um, they're meant to sort of have a longer narrative and you're investing a little more time in them. So, you know, depending on what your kid is excited about doing, you can kind of figure out how to um, turn it into something that you feel a little bit better about. Yeah. Yeah. It's in Minecraft is interesting because my kids started playing when they were young and now my daughter's like 14 and she's so into it. Like the teenagers are super into it. It's incredibly creative what they're doing. She's like, uh, I mean, it, it's pre- really pretty interesting. Um, and I'm pretty sure she has like some secret crushes on some Minecraft YouTubers as well. So <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> She's never going to totally. listen to this. Sorry, Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So, all right. So like, let's not freak out, but let's like be discerning. Let's look at what's there um, and let's try to, let's be, you know, let's be modeling healthy behavior. Let's be trying to like engage, you know, in things that are not, not screen time together and maybe doing, doing some screen time together is if, if for the parent who's listening, who's worried that their child is like definitely worried their child has had way too much screen time. Is there a way Mm -hmm. to effectively like kind of wean your child off of that? What can they do? Yeah, this is a great question. So um, in my presentations, I I give parents something called the problematic media use measure, which is a basically questionnaire that started to be validated that is based on behavioral addictions such as gambling addiction. And it really focuses not on the amount of time, but on the the child's relationship to the media. So is it the the one thing that they seem to care about, the thing that they think about when they get up in the morning? Do they sneak it? Do they sneak around late at night, early in the morning? Do they break your VPN? Um, Any kind of um, controls you try to put on it in order to get more? Um, Is it interrupting basically their relationships with family, with friends, um, and certainly with school? So, you know, if you see those kinds of red flags, warning signs, um, I do think that it's kind of necessary to impose a little bit, uh, you know, or a lot more structure and interruption in that kind of reward cycle. Um, And, uh, you know, whether that be, you know, really reducing the amount of time and and giving, you know, someone where there's, um, you know, even, you know, going back to what might be more appropriate for a younger child in terms of like, you're going to earn this much time by doing these other things that you need to do. Um, not taking it away forever, like there's no rewards on the horizon, but but really saying like, this is something we need to really control and measure. Um, and it's very, very hard because if you think about, you know, a substance addiction where you can cold turkey it out of your life forever, right? Mm-hmm. Versus something like food where you actually have to just transform your relationship to it and you can't stop eating food, that's a lot harder. Um, and I, w- I would argue that technology is a lot more like food because it's going to be in their lives in some form, certainly mm-hmm. for school. And so they need to be able to have a structured, you know, maybe a lot of structure, a lot of guardrails, but make sure that there's rewards as well as punishments involved in that. Um, as you say, like, okay, you know, if I want to, if I see you playing the piano or if I see you reading a book or doing something that's, um, you know, a similar kind of game, but it's a board game version of it, um, then you can maybe earn a little bit more video game time back um, and, and kind of going about it that way. But it's okay. going to take time and patience. And and when, for a parent who's like maybe thinking that they may need to do some of this, how, mm-hmm. are there any skillful ways to kind of go about starting this conversation and justifying or explaining that to their children, because there's going to be a lot of pushback. Like my brother 
doesn't have these limits on, you know, yeah. on this, but why yeah. do I have to have it? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, so, you know, um, you and I, we've been having a lot of fights about your video game use and um, you disrespected my boundaries by waking up in the middle of the night and taking the, the system into your room. And I really don't want to have conflicts about this with you. I, I really, I think you're such a great kid and you have, you know, there's so many things you do really, really well. So we need to problem solve together about how we're going to have a better um, discussion about this and rules around this going forward, because this can't go on like this. Um, and uh, I know that I've talked to your teacher and she really feels like you could be doing better in your math. And I know you don't feel great about your math grades right now. Um, so, you know, so let's problem solve. What are the, what are the ways that we could do this? And they might surprise you with what they come up with. You know, it's very rare that we honestly, many families ask our kids what they want and, and what they think about. Um, and I, I mean, I'll be totally real with you. Like I had this conversation with my daughter not too long ago. I said, you're, you know, you're getting good grades, but you're racing through your school and just to get back on the video games. And do I need to sign you up for some activities um, or an extra class to make sure you're using your time wisely? Or can I trust you to make decisions about how you use your time? Mm-hmm. And that really was, the, that was the conversation. And, and we've seen that she's, you know, now choosing to spend more of her time practicing piano and reading books. Um, so, you know, and I mean, my kid is not like, kids are very different and they're different in the amount of like energy and time that they have to be oppositional versus, um, you know, versus working with you. But I, I do, that is the way that I tried to approach it with my own daughter very, very recently. It's interesting as you describe that behavior, my own, my daughter has a, has it I it's like almost like an addiction obsession with listening to audio like literally huh. listening to Harry Potter yep or this podcast that she likes all the time in fact like yesterday like she was um like she hadn't eaten breakfast so I knew she was hungry I'd come in for lunch and I was like and then she chose because we don't want her to listen to her headphones listen to Harry Potter while she's like in the room with us, yeah. like hanging out. Like, that's not yeah. rude. So she yeah. chooses to wait until we have all made our lunch and sat down and eating. <laughs> so then she will go in and mm-hmm. listen to her headphones and make her lunch, which I'm mm-hmm. like a little worried about this behavior, but I'm like, ah, I don't know. Like it's so, I don't know. I'm a little worried mm-hmm. that she's has difficulty being in reality without mediation. Um, I totally feel you and I feel for both sides <laughs> of, of the story there because we are all living on top of each other right now and we don't have the mental space that we might have been used to when we had our busy lives and our routines. And I would love to hear from your daughter, like if she feels like this is how she can have, have mental space and just be in mm. a world of her own and not have to deal with the back and forth or the concerns or the compliments or anything that's coming from her family versus be in ho- at Hogwarts mentally. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you know? that perspective. Anya. Yeah, but, the, but... but the concern, I mean, of course you, your concern is so valid too. And the compassion in there, just to say like, you know, that you like having her around and you like having her conversations and you'd love yes. for there to be a small amount of time that you can connect as a family. And what, what does that look like for you guys? that's beneficial for everyone, you know? 
so funny for for you listeners who have like younger kids who won't stop talking to you just just listen to my story and like appreciate their like incessant chatter yes totally totally the little girl pretending to be a kitten on the stairs just like refusing to walk up the stairs that was my reality this morning oh that's so awesome all right well good um I think we have covered so many things. I've definitely want to re-listen thinking about like, we're going to be prioritizing sleep, thinking about being collaborative, about creating those boundaries, um, maybe turning off that TV in the background and, and thinking about, you know, our own behavior, like, so we're not getting interrupted, you know, when we can, we can really be present. Um, Anya, is there anything that we didn't cover that you think that's important for parents to know when we are worried about screen time and thinking about screen time and, and how to get through this weird pandemic time and back into normal times? Um, I think we did a great job. I mean, I love the way that you've been like summarizing the, the takeaways uh, at each point. Um, you know, I think that, uh, I mean, one aspect that I'm curious about has to do with media literacy and how our young people are making sense of the world around them through Mm. what they may or may not be hearing on the news and and just the plague of misinformation and disinformation. So I think, you know, we just did a piece at NPR about civics learning and part of civics has to do with, you know, talking about what you hear in the news, definitely not playing the news all day and all night. You know, we don't, we don't want to do that, but, but helping our kids make sense of what they may hear or just get filtered in, um, it might even be in a YouTube video or it might be, you know, in Minecraft where they're getting references to things going on in the world. And it's really incumbent upon us to talk to them about that and, and help them understand what trusted news sources are and how to make sense of, of what they hear in the world. Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good point. I mean, we want to think about, well, you know, what is the source of this and what, why do you think that person is saying this and invite them to question? I think that's it. It's funny because like, it's interesting because like with all the crazy things that have happened, the people who are being, um, you know, being really pulled into like radical positions, in some ways they, that is because they're questioning, right? (laughs) Right? Like in some ways that is because they're questioning, but it's, so it's like, yeah, how, I, I don't know. There's like a lot of, um, a lot up in the air in some ways that there. Yeah. I mean, skepticism doesn't mean that you can't be convinced of crazy things. Like it, it really is important that our kids understand scientific methods and, and sort of resource. And I mean, part of that is the job of the schools, but, um, you know, we, we do have just, we want to create a family culture where we say like, you know, we, we sort of understand what we can and can't trust and, and sort of make decisions based on those heuristics as well. And instead of just like questioning everything, but saying like, okay, like this is why, you know, this is why politicians say the certain things that they do. This is why business people say the things that they do. And everybody's coming from a point of view. And, and, you know, the dinner table really is like the, uh, the, the little laboratory of democracy where we get people who not only speak up for what they believe in, but also learn to consider what other people think. Yeah. We've had some interesting conversations with my daughter about, um, trans rights and whether JK Rowling is yeah, like, and, you know, anti-trans yeah. and, and just, um, you know, it's been very, very interesting to, to, yeah. to look at, you know, a, she's really passionate and then, but to then offer her some more nuance to 
the different sides of the arguments. Um, so it's, it's really totally. interesting. All right. So yeah, let's, let's think about what our kids may or may not be, be hearing. Um, yeah. I think younger kids hear a lot more than we think they hear, you know what I mean? Thank you. And, you know, I, I, my, um, in, I, in my, someone close to me has, um, has been, has, um, kids who are, um, mixed race kids and has been in very protective of not, of not protecting their innocence has been mm. their position. And mm. I'm a little worried about that because I know that kids hear more than they think they, you know what I mean? And, and is, yeah. then it, is that the message that we can't talk about these things? And I, I don't know. There's, that's a whole other podcast. I that's guess. a whole other podcast. <laughs> and I hope you do it. I, I, am a big fan of, of race literacy and race consciousness and making sure that, um, our kids know that these topics are not off limits and that they understand, um, their position in the world as white children. I think it's, it's just, it's, it's so incumbent upon us to, to do that and to do that work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been such a pleasure. I know we're, uh, you have opened the door to so many ideas up here at the end, but I think what you have offered, uh, us in a lot of ways is, um, you know, reassuring, like we're going to get through this. We're going to go back to a more balanced life at some point yeah. where this won't be, um, such an issue. Like it, it's, it's coming that, that sort of more balanced life is coming and we can navigate yeah. these waters, but you, you, you're kind of inviting us into a place of like, let's talk, let's collaborate, let's trust, let's listen, let's just like kind of be alert and don't fall victim to our own anxiety and our own fear in this kind of. That's I'm so thinking. true, Hunter. And just feeling, helping ourselves feel more competent to address this. I think, you know, there's a yes. basic, and I get into this in, in the art of screen, I'm just like, Grana didn't have any iPad rules. And so we don't have any passed on wisdom on this and we're really making it up. And that's why we feel so at sea, I think. Mm. But we can develop the collective wisdom. And I think the reason that that's why there's positive media like this, right, for parents to share and feel like they're part of a community that's collectively developing best practices on this. Yeah. Hell yeah. Thank you so much, Anya. Um, yeah, where can people find out more about you? And um, um, I'm on AnyaKamenetz.net, um, A-N-Y-A-K-A-M-E-N-E-T-Z. I have a newsletter, which is a tiny letter that you can sign up for, which I have my, um, my articles and my appearances and my books. Um, I'm on Twitter, Anya when Anya. So yeah, come find me. All right. All those places. And we will have links to Anya's things at mindfulmamamentor.com in the show notes. Thanks again, Anya. I really appreciate the work that you've done. And I really appreciate your time sharing it with us. We've needed someone to talk, you know, we've needed to have you come and talk to us about this because those worries have been up in the air. So it's, it's really yeah. um, a great thing. So thank you. My pleasure. Truly. Thank you so much for the work that you do. I love what Anya said about this whole, like, you know, including our kids in and, and really just getting that perspective. We always need that perspective, don't we, about what's really happening and, and how to how to address it. So I hope this episode has helped you. If so, please share it with some friends. If you have other people who are struggling with screen time, text it to your group of mom friends, share it in your, you know, local area Facebook group so that others can be part of this conversation and get the help that they need to. It makes a huge difference. 
All right. Well, I appreciate your time. I really thank you for connecting with me today. Oh, I forgot the other thing I wanted to tell you. Mindful Mama Mentor has an awesome new YouTube channel now. So you can see video clips of this episode as well as other episodes we've done on our YouTube channel. And you can just go to YouTube and search Mindful Mama Mentor and you'll find the YouTube channel. Go ahead and subscribe. So we're looking to, to get our subscription numbers up to get those videos out. So go ahead and subscribe. You'll see me teaching on a bunch of topics like little five minute sessions as well as clips from this podcast episode. So if you wanna see what it looks like, go ahead and check it out. Mindful Mama Mentor on YouTube. All right, well, thanks again, my friend. I'm so happy to connect with you. I'm wishing you pockets of peace and joy and a healthy week. Namaste. I say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. And just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I have this. You can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it, who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. mindfulparentingcourse.com I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? 
And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.